The most dangerous thing in the world today and for men is is not some big scary thing out there, but it's our own mental health, guys. The statistics are staggering throughout the world, and there's no borders and nationalities that this is isolated to. And there's there's just no way around it. Men are facing a crisis that's been happening in the shadows, and it's happened long before the pandemic pandemic hit. So, guys, people don't like to talk about it, but we're going to today. So buckle in, because my guest today is award-winning psychiatrist Dr. Christian Heim, and we're going to get into it right now. Be better tomorrow because of what you do today. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. My name is Brent, and today my guest is Dr. Christian Heim. Be sure to head over to his website, www.drchristianheim.com, to see so much more that Dr. Heim has to share. I was enjoying his website earlier today. He's got some amazing blogs, links to his books, and other podcasts he's been on, as well as he has his own YouTube channel. And guys, you need to check it out because he makes things make sense with music, which for me is huge. Um, Dr. Heim, I, I was watching some of your videos you did with your wife and the ability to communicate some very complicated issues using music just makes them so much more understandable. I am just in awe, sir. It is impressive. Welcome to the show. Oh, Brent, look, thank you very much for that introduction. Thank you very much for having me on here. I'm excited to be here. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad you like the videos because it's, uh, it's something that uh, my wife and I share because we both have a performative side of ourselves. And so we get to use those in the context of podcast and, of course, a preventative mental health message. Congratulations on your new book, The Seven Types of Love. I remember when, when we first got in contact, uh, we had scheduled this and it was actually going to happen before your book was published. And then we had some disconnects with some health issues and a bunch of stuff going on in my life. And okay. so thank you for getting back with me on this, by the way. I do appreciate you being willing to reschedule. But congratulations on the book. I read the thank reviews you. on Amazon. I haven't read it yet, but it is getting glowing reviews on Amazon. You've got to be happy about that. Oh, look, look, I am. And... Uh, I, I was happy to write a book on love uh, because I, thought, I sort of thought in this day and age, is love just a platitude? And the more I thought about it as a psychiatrist, I thought, no, we as a society don't actually have a handle on what love is. So, of course, I went through all the scientific aspects of love, but that was one way of looking at things. And also, it was quite a limited way of looking at things. So, I went back to ancient Greece where they had many more names of love. And of course, we have all these different types of love operating in our lives. And if we're able to articulate the different love types with the different names, then we will have much more of an understanding of what love is and how to know it and how to show it in our lives. There's part, of, thanks, me, there's part of me that almost wishes we were talking about that today because it is a little bit of a lighter subject. But actually, I want to delve back to a previous book you wrote called The Five Steps of Men's Mental Health. Yes. Um, I think that men, men's mental health is something that just gets swept under the rug so much these days. And it is a major crisis in the making. It's something I've been following for some time. But before we start deep diving into that, I've got to ask you, what is your favorite kind of ice cream? My favorite kind of ice cream? It's an important uh, question. All right. Let We're me in the middle of a heat that. wave, so. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I do love a good vanilla. Um 
there's not too much ice cream that I don't like. And and sometimes some of the fruit flavors like watermelon can really get me going. So, yeah, yeah. I've never had a watermelon ice cream. That's not something you see in the stores here. I'm, okay. I'm jealous. That sounds amazing. I love watermelon. <laughs> Are you a regular vanilla, French vanilla, or vanilla bean guy, or doesn't matter? Uh, uh, look, vanilla is just wonderful. Uh, and quite frankly, I like the um, I like the variety of all flavors. Right. Uh, the world offers such a such a palette for us to uh, to partake of. There's a lot out there. So, Doctor Heim, I I've read the many credits to your name, sir, and it, I mean you have had a prestigious and impressive career. And I am a lousy podcast host because I choose not to introduce my. Uh, guests the way a lot of podcast hosts I was actually listening to one you were on earlier and the the nice young woman was incredible with how much she covered but unfortunately that's only impressive to certain people but what yeah, my guests right. are more important is more important to my guests at this point is tell me from your perspective who is Dr. Christian Heim why are you here today what brings you with us Okay, uh, Brent, I'm, I'm glad you put it in that perspective because prestige sounds all very impressive, but it actually isn't because at the heart of everybody that I have treated as a psychiatrist, and I have treated university professors, I have treated other psychiatrists, I've treated doctors, and I've treated people who have done all sorts of things in their lives. We are all people. And underneath the facade of how well we're doing, we are all human beings. So in other words, we actually are flesh and blood. We are not defined by what we do. Uh, so I have this little saying, I say that we are human beings, not human doings, because men, as you know, often define themselves in terms of what they do. And because men, a lot of men, unfortunately, play uh, social hierarchy games in life, it means that we miss out on each other as human beings, as actual people. Uh, so we we miss out on the love side of us. And this is part of the crisis because the world, if anything, is moving further into the area of you are what you do. Uh, what we're doing at the moment, uh, podcasting, uh, it's a numbers game. And the higher the numbers, the better somebody thinks that they are. But it doesn't matter what the numbers are, it doesn't change who you are as a person. And Fortunately, as a psychiatrist, behind the doors of my office, I get to hear the stories of real people. We make a connection as people. And I suppose that's why we're in a bit of a crisis at the moment, because we're losing connection with each other. I was going to ask, actually, that leads into my next question beautifully. Yeah. What do you think? Why do you think mental health is such a major issue for men and is not being covered more? Okay, so firstly, Brent, it's a major issue for all of society because okay. we have huge rises in depression, anxiety. If we just want to talk about suicide, uh, we're almost up to 50,000 people per year in the United States, going up by 4% a year, and that is just ridiculous. Uh, overdoses, the opioid crisis that we have, we could go to any area of mental health and it's rising, which tells me one thing, Brent, it's got nothing to do with our genetics because our genetic material has not changed appreciably for about 60,000 years now. So it's something in the way that we're living. And the word that I want to use uh, to, dis to discuss the way that we're living is actually fragmentation. 
we're breaking down. We're not coming together. In fact, just here, we're, we're talking about men's mental health. We're already fragmenting from women. We talk about a feminist movement to do things that are important for women, not for men. So right there, we have a huge fragmentation. And so our society, rather than coming together, because you know what? We need men and women and everybody Agreed. in this society to work together for good mental health. But unfortunately, uh, we are all looking towards our own interests. So one of the things, one of the side effects of our incredibly prosperous and amazing society is hyper-individualism. We become so concerned about what we ourselves want that we forget about a connection with other people. And so when it comes to the five steps to mental health, in that book, I, I ask guys to look at their connections, to make sure that they're connected with other people. That includes men, that includes women, that includes children. Uh, and in the love book, of course, I talk about how men can have good relationships with each other, as well as relationships with women, as well as relationships with family members and other people in society. So it's a whole package, Brent, and it's very complex. I can only imagine that we're barely going to scratch the surface today, unfortunately. But guys, let me say right now, if you think you are struggling, and I, I'm more focused on men just because my channel is focused for men. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's great. But... uh <laughs> Now I, I I'm married with two daughters and seven nieces and a bunch of sister-in-laws. So I uh, this this podcast is actually more about my children than anything. Yeah. But guys, if you're struggling at all, please, please, please don't think you got to go it alone. Don't try and tough it out. Seek support. Seek help. Do not go it alone. Get help now. Don't wait. Guys, we all wait so bad for everything. I loved the, I don't know what the proper term is, the little blurb you put about this particular book in yeah. Amazon. and says, trust me, guys, we wait too long. I know, I'm a guy. And right. I laugh so hard because that is me. I mean, I got to be dying to go to the doctor. and I'm certainly got to be pretty bad for anything else I ask for. So, guys, yeah. don't wait. And we're going to dig right in with Dr. Heim. Dr. Heim, let's get into it. What's the first step that we need to start taking to fix our, prepare our mental health to get better? One of the things, Brent, is that we live in peacetime and society would change if there was a war. And unfortunately, a lot of the male characteristics that we have grown up to believe men are a part of uh, are forged in wartime. So in wartime, stoicism is valued because when you're on the battlefield, you don't have time to ask if your feelings are hurt or if you're getting your needs met because you have a job to do and you've got to get out there and do it. This mentality is part of all men's lives. So the first thing that we need to do is actually take care of ourselves, uh, of ourselves as human beings, which means sometimes putting your hand up saying, I need some help which also means sometimes saying how things are going on inside, inside your head, because there's this feeling that nobody wants to know. And I've got to tell you a little story about that, because I work with a lot of uh, war veterans, people who have seen trauma on the battlefield. And one thing that we do a lot of is um, group therapy. And all these guys that feel so ashamed 
because there's this idea that you're somehow less of a man if you need help psychiatrically, start sharing their stories, and then invariably somebody says, me too. That's exactly how I felt. I didn't believe somebody else felt that way. And so right there, there's a connection that no guy is alone. There are other people that experience exactly, well, no, I won't say exactly, but the same sort of thing. And in that kinship, you're not alone. And because you're not alone, there's help and incentive to move forward. So the first step is actually taking care of yourself, knowing that you are worthwhile as a human being. That is such a hard step for most of us as men to let down that guard and actually... I, I, I wince when you talk about the counseling with the veterans. I've, I've got a lot of my family has served in the military. I've got a lot of friends with PTSD and yeah, uh, it's the sad state of soldiers who go without the support and the treatment are feeling like they should be, that they can get what they need. Just very near and dear to my heart. So thank you for your work with the soldiers. No, that's all right. And uh, to the soldiers, and to everybody in the armed forces, not only thank you for your service, but we are in awe of what you do because we actually need those people to keep defending our freedoms. And it is something that we take for granted in our society. And uh, if we were able to appreciate each other more, then we would feel more in relationship with each other. Well, let's, let's keep rolling. What's the next step? The, the I, know, step, I know you got somewhere to be today, so let's. Oh, look, I, I, I do, I do. Uh, the next step uh, is one that I put together specifically to to do something about suicidal thoughts and uh, and all of those, because uh, for somebody to contemplate doing away with themselves means that they're not only in a dark place, but they're there alone. So I have this analogy: our society is like a uh, an ocean. Uh, where the waves are pounding you. Now, if you're swimming in an ocean like that, uh, you need to have a safety net. You need to be connected with other people who have ropes to you to make sure that you are nice and secure. But if you stop talking to your father, you've cut one rope. If you haven't spoken to a friend for years, that's another rope cut. If you're isolating and not getting on with your kids, you're cutting another rope. So how many ropes can we cut before you're there by yourself? And unfortunately, I, in my practice, I have lost people to suicide. And they end up in this space where they feel that they are alone. So step two is basically stay in relationship. And look, it's true. Females do this much better than males. Something about cavemen times uh, taking care of the community and the children while men went out hunting, something like that. That may have something to do with it, but that doesn't mean that men are not good at relationships. We actually are. Women are slightly better. However, we are all relational beings. So step two is stay in relationship with people. Okay. So run me back in. Step one is... Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Step two, stay in relationships. Stay in relationships yeah, and, to people. And on a practical level, Brent, that, that means if there's a friend that you haven't spoken to for a while, pick up the phone or chuck them an email 
and get in contact. Or if you've got a, a, a problem relationship with a relative, see what you can do to sort things out. Share a coffee with somebody. Make that first step. It's uncomfortable, but it's worth doing because you're getting another rope back. And that is very, very important to all of us because we all need each other's ropes. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right. It's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at The Fallible Man or at Fallible Man on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. Hey, welcome back. We're here with Chris, Dr. Christian Heim discussing men's mental health. And before the break, Dr. Heim shared with us that we need to recognize and take care of ourselves and that we need to stay relational, guys. We need to cherish those relationships and hold on to those. Yep. Those are lifelines for our mental health. Guys, we are rolling into some deep water here with Dr. Heim, and I encourage you, strap in, stay for the rest of the show, and let's keep rolling into point number three. Point number three, Brent, we're rolling into deep water because we're going to emotions. So step three is manage strong emotions. Men have very strong emotions, so strong that we can, uh, we can scare ourselves as to how strong our emotions are. Uh, I have to let people know there's nothing wrong with anger. However, when you're in a state of anger, there's a high risk that you may do something destructive. So I spend a lot of time talking to guys about how to deal with anger. And one of the first things to do is actually recognize anger and then find some way to discharge that emotion safely. And uh, Brent, rather than go into the theory of anger, what I'm going to do is give a very practical tip as to how you can uh, deal with your anger. And so one of the techniques that I let guys know about is what I call the traffic light technique. So under traffic light, you've got red, yellow, and green, meaning stop, get ready, and go. In the anger tool, you go stop when you see red. So when you know that you are angry, stop whatever you are doing, stop whatever you are saying. Then you go to yellow and yellow is think. Think, Christian, what's the next thing that you're going to say? What's the next thing you're going to do? Think, Christian, think. You are very angry at the moment, think. And then you go to green, which is go, only when you know that you have come up with a safe thing to say or a safe thing to do. And for people who are very angry, I will actually ask them to prepare themselves so that when they're in an anger state, they say, I've got to go for a walk right now. And then they turn around and march and go for a five kilometer walk because that's the safest thing to do. We all have different levels of anger and we have to have different plans at different levels for different levels of anger. But if you can stop when you see red, think yellow to prepare yourself and then only go once you know that you have something safe to say or do, that traffic light technique can help you deal with anger very quickly. All right. 
I feel like we could spend just an hour right right in that zone. Yes. As you said, men are just not good with we're, we're I don't I don't believe that uh, it's hard to say. I don't believe we're taught by example how to process that, not out of spite, but out of our fathers weren't taught by example yeah. how to deal with that and their fathers weren't taught, right? Yeah. Somewhere somewhere in the past that just became a I'll figure it out kind of thing and um and so it's just not passed down as something that is taught among men in general, I don't think. Well, actually, our, our fathers and our grandfathers, Brent, were taught something very different because the 20th century were full of horrible wars. Mm -hmm. And in a war situation, uh, what we actually value is being able to control and suppress your own emotions mm -hmm. to get another goal done. So stoicism. And the only way to express anger is against an enemy and using fists or using weapons was glorified. We're now in a society where in almost one generation, we've got to turn that around. Don't use your fists. Don't pick up any weapons. Deal with your emotions. What does that mean? What does that mean? And so uh, in one generation, we have to change as men the way that we are expected to handle emotions. Seems like a monumental task, to be honest. You know, it's, it is. <laughs> it I, is. I, I'm listening and processing as you're talking. It's like, wow, that just that could go so so badly too. Well, it could, but Brent, there's hope because all men experience emotions, and right. not all men uh, are dangerous. Not all men have anger issues. Most men, and we're talking about the vast majority of men, do know how to hang, uh, handle their emotions. But if you have trauma in your background, then you can be triggered so that uh, trauma uh, flares up again. And then you can be in a situation where you go, well, how do I handle this? And uh, in the book, uh, I, I talk a lot more about how we can handle things like that. And all psychiatrists and all psychologists have techniques like the one that I just shared to help men be able to process their angry emotions and other emotions as well, right? No, I, I mean, that could go badly just because I know as a man, I get frustrated when I'm trying to change direction on something and it's just not going how I imagine it should go in my head, right? Because we have reality, then we have the reality we live in our head where we've played through it a hundred times and try to play out every scenario and how we imagine it's going to go yeah. versus the real reality. And when the two don't match up, some of us get a little frustrated and that can send us the other direction on that too. So yes, it does. It's a yes. unique, unique problem. Yes. But, but one of the things that you're doing right now, Brent is uh, you're looking at that from the outside. Mm -hmm. saying, this is what happens to me. So it's like you're standing outside of your emotions. And you're because you're looking at that, that already means that you've got more control over them, which means that you can put in a plan to say, okay, when I get frustrated because my reality is not going the way that I imagined it to be, what can I do about that? And then you can actually work with pen and paper to come up with some sort of a solution. 
I can take a bit of a break. I can go for a bit of a walk. I can laugh. Laughter is one of the best things that we have, and we need to use more of it. I can exercise. Exercise does so much to drive away depression and anxiety. There are so many studies on that, that every man needs to be exercising because that's when your body gets to strut its stuff and feel good about itself. And there's part of being a man, because you've got 20 times the testosterone of a female body, that feels good when it's exercising. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a weights and a motorcycle guy. Wow. That, that's, that's good. That's where I get it out. But that's uh, good. I, I split a lot of wood as a junior high age kid to get my temper under control. That's I, wonderful. I just came home and split wood all day long. So a lot of calluses oh. earned trying to learn to control my temper as a kid. <laughs> Very good. Very so, good. So, let's move so on to step number four. we call that sublimation when you do something useful. Something I think all of us have to learn at some point is to rechannel that, right? Yes. Yes, rechannelling re uh, is, is, is what um, psychiatrists call sublimation. Okay. So if rather than get in a fight with somebody, get good at boxing, learn the technique, get fit, think about things as well as feel about things. This is why men love sport. Why do we love watching football or basketball? Because you see the head and the heart coming together. You see the passion to win, but you see people calculating tactics and knowing what other team members are doing to find a way through the opposition. And men tend to love that. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. That's right. <laughs> Let's move on to step number four. Where are we going from here? Okay. Step number four is more an attitude rather than a thing to do. It's take your place. Now, what I mean by take your place is... All right, so we have moved from a society where men were traditionally the breadwinners to men are no longer the providers for a family or they may be one provider for a family or they may be providing only for themselves. And those roles, as stereotypical as they sounded, were actually very useful because the analogy that I use throughout the book is that in cavemen days, what did we men do? We hunted. We had to go out there and to provide the food. Why were we chosen? Well, you know, straight after birth, you just have to see how vulnerable a mother and child are. And it's the mother that is the milk factory. So it just makes sense that it's the guy that's going to go out and do the hunting. And we've got overwhelming evidence that this is what our ancestry was like. So hunting had a purpose. If we didn't do it, we wouldn't live. We wouldn't survive. So whatever society is calling upon you to do, be that work, study, volunteering, being retired, or whatever, mm -hmm. you take your place and you do it. And in this, I'll even speak to men who are in prison because society is calling upon them to serve a prison sentence. And their place at the moment is to serve that sentence so that they can reintegrate in society. So whatever your purpose is, whatever life calls upon you to do, do it. Because then you get the respect of the hunter. You too get to be part of the, yeah, we caught that kangaroo so we can eat this weekend. I think, I mean, that's a whole other can of worms. People spend years trying to figure out what their purpose is or truly find their purpose. Um, I, I've, I've done entire podcasts on that just 
I know so many guys who just feel almost adrift. Like they have no set purpose. They go to, they go to work, but other than that, they have no real purpose in life. And it is a huge struggle for men, I believe, mentally to wrestle with that. Men need to have a purpose. Um, Yes. It's been my experience that men, after they retire, don't tend to live as long if they don't find a new purpose to take over for what they've done for years. And I think it's just because we're so purpose-driven as men. Brent, the studies prove you correct. That That is exactly right. We need a purpose. Unfortunately, in our society of hyper-individualism and where we have seen so many movies of one guy saving the whole world 16 times over, <laughs> we, we sometimes uh, feel that our humble purpose, whatever it happens to be, is not enough. And the thing is that we are all part of this society. Uh, whatever our purpose is, is enough. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I will say to any man that feels that they do not have a f- purpose, if you find one person to help, that is purpose enough to keep you going. Any man who has children, even adult children, knows that they still have a purpose because you are still a role model and you will still become a fount of some wisdom and some guidance for your children. It may not be that often that they want to hear things from you, but that is still your role. That is your place. Take it. There may be somebody in your street that just needs their groceries taken to them every day. If that is your purpose, that is your purpose. It doesn't need to be a job. It just needs to be something on a daily basis that you you think, I'm contributing just that much. Just a little bit. And that's an honorable purpose, that example you gave. Yes, you know, it is. Helping a neighbor out who is struggling or who can't do it themselves physically or whatever. That is a yes. noble purpose. Yes, and people it is. tend to I, I, I think movies have painted that unfair picture with, you know, one guy saving the world. Yes. Purposes don't have to be grandioso. They can be humble and be okay. That's that's more than enough. And a lot of the people that I worked with who had uh, war trauma. They're then retired or, or told that they're not fit for duty anymore. And that's an awful feeling because here is somebody who was amazingly purposeful and was, in a sense, saving society, mm-hmm. being told, we're going to put you out to pasture now. We don't need you. Mm-hmm. So for those people, I encourage them to find a purpose. And normally it has to be something like a bit of awareness for what soldiers have done a bit of awareness for what the Navy's role is, a bit of an awareness for this, for that, but normally to remember or to know some of the things that other people are doing. And so it may be just a little bit of fundraising. It may be just putting a a Christmas event together. It may be a whole lot of things, but it is still part of a whole life's purpose and it doesn't need to be huge. Guys, before we get to point number five, if you are getting something out of this, not only, you know, give us the likes and thumbs up. Sure, we'll go ahead and do the normal social media junk. Like, thumbs up, whatever. Make a comment wherever you are. Guys, go over to Dr. Heim's website, www.drchristianheim.com. Guys, go over and check it out. Get into what he is sharing there. He is sharing an amazing amount of knowledge, guys. Uh, share 
Sarah, I'll do it. Not only can you see his lovely books that you can purchase on Amazon, there will be links for all those down in the description as well. But guys, dig into the blogs, dig into the videos he's creating. Here is an incredible psychiatrist who is offering help and giving away help for free. Don't miss such a golden opportunity. Uh, it's, it's not cheap to see a professional, would be my guest normally, for private sessions. So, guys, don't miss. He is giving away solid gold to help you to improve your life, to improve yourself. Don't miss that opportunity. Dr. Heim, what is step number five? Uh, Brent, firstly, th thanks for all of that. But, uh, because what my purpose is, is actually to disseminate information. So uh, my joy comes from knowing that people are making use of that information. Just before we get to step number five, I want to speak a little bit to some of the young guys. Okay. Uh, some of the young guys who uh, are, uh, let's say, in their early 20s, and they're finding out, well, where do I belong in this whole big thing called society? And <clears throat> because we're now going through a phase where uh, boys are being – um, encouraged not to be competitive, uh, not to have that fighting spirit. Mm. A lot of guys end up on video games and have these mortal combat fantasies <laughs> where they spend hours and hours because they feel purposeful, right? Okay. Brent, you've done it. I've done it. It I feels lost. fantastic. I can actually tell you, I, I tallied it up on one game alone. It has a feature in it where you can actually find out how long you played a character. I am ashamed yep. to admit over the course of seven and a half years, I lost three years of my life to a game. <laughs> Total played time. I kid you not. Three years of my life. It was a point yeah, in my life a... where I was kind of, what I was doing had kind of gone away and we were just trying to survive. And I felt aimless and got addicted to the game because I could conquer things in the game. Right. Yes. Yes. And three years of my life, guys, I wish I was exaggerating that. I really do. Yes. Okay, so we've got to listen to Brent here, okay? Because while he was playing the game, he felt purposeful. He felt like he was conquering the world or saving the world or whatever the game happened to be. But the reality was that he was in his bedroom in front of a computer, all right? Now, this is fine to have as entertainment and as a reward for doing a purpose, but when it becomes your life, when your life becomes a bedroom and a computer, and that's what you do for year after year, what happens is you lose that feeling of the hunter. You lose that feeling of being purposeful. So, guys, the idea is to take that urge, that urge to conquer, that urge to be useful, find a problem and solve it. Find a person who needs help and help them. Find a cause and stand up for it then you get to feel like a hunter who is actually contributing. And then on a Friday night, you get back to your favorite game, but only for a few hours a week rather than a few days a week. Set a timer, guys. I, I watched one of my good friends lose his entire business. A man who is almost my parents' age lose his family business because he got addicted to gaming. It, yeah. it was an easy place to win. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for reaching out because that is a serious issue these days. It is a serious issue because marketers know exactly what men want. Yep. And so these games are designed for what men want. And uh, that's fine as entertainment, but you have to have that outside eye to sort of say, am I contributing? Is this the life that I want? 
or am I wasting some time here? Anyway, but we're going to get on to number five. <laughs> okay. okay? <laughs> so number four was take your place. Number five is another attitude. Uh, so number five is actually to adapt and be the man that you actually are. Now, that's going to take a little bit of explaining. So just bear with me just a little bit. Okay, so if we look at evolutionary psychology and look, most of our scientific studies show that evolution is the top theory at the moment. It holds a lot of insight into how our brains moved to where they are at the moment. And see, this is the amazing thing about the human brain. The human brain is an adaption machine. It's a survival machine. The whole body is really just a uh, life support system for the brain. And what the brain does is it looks and scans at an environment and says, right, what do I need to do here to survive and thrive more? It's like humans were created to survive, and we do it actually quite well. And one of the ways that we do it is by adapting. So in other words, if there's a challenge in the environment, if it's, say, too cold, it's, it's like, right, I'm going to find some clothes and I'm going to find some housing to protect myself from this environment. Or if it's a very hot environment, right, I'm going to have to find a way of adapting to beat the sun because at the moment the sun is beating me. And so, of course, we are now able to live in places like Antarctica and places in Australia where there are whole cities underground because the sun is just too fierce. That's what humans can do. That's what the human brain can do. So when we look at today's society, we sort of go, oh, no, there are so many things going wrong. We're doomed. We are not doomed. We have brains that have adapted throughout all of history. And all that we have to do as men is to use our brains to adapt to a changing society even a little bit further. So how do you do that? You use the most precious part of your brain, which is the front part, the frontal lobe, which thinks. So you think through everything that you need to do. You make plans as to where you want to be in the next weeks, in the next months, perhaps even the next years. And I know we live in an uncertain future, but we need to plan and adapt to an uncertain future so that we actually get further. So you end up taking inventory when you start thinking, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Because I guarantee if you're a male or if you're a person, you have strengths and you have weaknesses. And you play to your strengths and you use your strengths and you do what you can to get on top of your weaknesses. And what does this do? This actually prepares you to take your place. Step four, find a place where you can contribute. So it's all about thinking and making choices because that's where the human brain is excellent. So that's my little spiel on adapting, Brent. I'll, hey, I'll, I'll take it. Actually, uh, <laughs> you, I'm going to throw this up over. This is a shirt I sell on Amazon. It says, the world needs who you were made to be. Yes. Men are forged under great pressure. Uh, you, you were talking about it, and it's like, hey, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You, yes. you absolutely need to become the person you were meant to be. Yes. So, uh, and, sorry, and, I, I had to illustrate it. You've, it was like, wow, I really, I, I sell that T-shirt um, as part of my brand. So, Well, see, that, that is fantastic because, Brent, you are unique. There is something that you have that no other person on this earth has. 
I'm unique. We all have a little bit of something that other people don't have. So in a way, it's a search for that uniqueness. And again, it doesn't have to be something earth shattering or um, history changing. It just has to be you and what you can contribute together with absolutely everybody else. So what is next for Dr. Heim? Are you writing another book? Are you touring? What are you doing? All right. So Brent, at the moment, I'm uh, working at a hospital. So I have uh, an inpatient load and I love the one-to-one because we work on one person's situation and try to make sense of that so that they can move forward. Uh, But yeah, unfortunately, I can tell you that uh, we've got a book contract that's come through and it's talking about the importance of relationships, Uh, mainly one-on-one relationships. And uh, one-on-one relationships have been under attack for decades now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like we look at, do we stay together and make compromises in our relationship or do we break up? So it's like make up with compromise or break up. There's a third alternative. Have a great relationship. The good news is you can have a good relationship. The bad news is it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It does. It takes a lot of getting through some terrible times. It takes some arguing sometimes. It takes a lot of love sometimes. It may take some help from therapists sometimes. But I'm writing this book to say that mental health is best when relationships go well in society. And so that's the next project we're looking at, Brent. That sounds so good. That'll come out in about a year or so. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to reading your new book as well. Um, I believe your wife sent me a copy of it for my Kindle. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to reading that. I actually have, I'm revamping my website to actually list all the books by uh, category that I recommend because I read a lot of books uh, in my work with The Fallible Man. And I make a lot of recommendations on YouTube videos. And someone told me the other day, they're like, okay, we need like a master list of all the books yeah. that you've been recommending. So yeah. I uh, hope to read your new book and uh, add that to my relationship series I've been reading. We do a uh, small series on relationships, being a better husband, little things like that. So I'm excited. That's great news. You're going to another one. Yeah. Yeah. And there's... uh Uh, there's a lot of that in the love book because um, I I write books not only to be read, but to be applied. Uh, I I want the book to make a difference in the next hug that you give somebody, in the next conversation that you have with somebody, in the next interaction you have with a stranger. Uh, If those three things are getting better uh, because of reading a book that I have written, then that is unspeakable joy for me, Brent. So life well spent, sir. Life well spent. (laughs) That's the, that is my goal with The Fallible Man. If I can help one person improve yes. their life, then it's time well spent. So yes. your website, is that the best place to find you? Do you do social media or anything? Where can people uh, find you? We are you? on different social media things. We're on uh, LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're on Instagram as well. Um, uh, but all the links are on our website. So uh, whatever people prefer, it's it's like you've got to be out there on everything because there's just <laughs> so much out there. And we've got some YouTube stuff as well. But uh, the, the the core is actually on the website, Brent. Okay. Now, I, I understand I have eight different social media accounts. Okay. <laughs> that's not counting like the multiple pages on Facebook or Instagram. So that's just eight separate social media accounts. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I understand okay. you've got to be wow. everywhere. 
I actually caught a bit of the video you and the other Dr. Oheim, your wife, Hello. right? Yes. Uh, not yes. everybody knows. It's Dr. and Dr. Heim, right? Yes, indeed. That, that is incredible. You guys I'm, have a story that I would just bet is incredible to hear from start to end. But I was listening to you guys talk about conflict resolution. And you were playing your piano with it. And it just it clicked so well, the idea of actually not having to resolve the conflict immediately, like yeah. in the second, could actually benefit your relationship in the long run, as opposed to people saying, don't go to bed angry kind of thing. But yes. you beautifully illustrated the idea of sometimes you have to let that play through a little farther to come yes. to a full resolution and healthy resolution. It was great. I watched the entire video. It was spectacular. You guys are putting out amazing stuff to help people so thank you for that yeah but, that's that's one of those things in society because we're going it to shorter bites and shorter messages all the time mm -hmm. it means that we are seriously dumbing down really complex stuff and so unfortunately we think a lot of terms of good and bad uh conflict is bad uh not conflict is good whereas if you've been in a relationship you know that it is not one or the other so i this is why I like to think musically. I like to think in terms of harmony. Does this resonate with you? Does this go together? Do we have something that we have to resolve here? Or can this be part of the spice of the music that we're putting together here? So it gives you a whole lot more options. Because as you know, Brent, often things come up in relationships that can't be resolved. There is conflict that can't be resolved. You, you need to find a way of making more harmony even though there seems to be conflict on the surface. Guys, if you don't have a clue what we're talking about, you need to go to Dr. Heim's YouTube channel and listen to his show where he plays. He's also a professor of music where he plays his piano and beautifully illustrates and unlocks very complicated things with music. It is incredible. Dr. Heim, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for spending time with us. Guys, be better tomorrow because of what you do today, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.